0: Welcome to 25 Stocks of Christmas presented by Chit Chat Money. Today we have an interview with Matt Cochran and we are talking Square, which used to be our largest holding. We both love the company and Matt's obviously an expert on it, or at least in our opinion, an expert.
1: And I might say, I think he might be our most Recurring guests. I think yeah, he's maybe yeah. been on the show. That's, that's our that's our number one KPI is most recurring guest, right? That's the key. We can uh, call it the PBF podcast best friend. Sure. sure. Uh, <laughs> there we go. But before we get to that, we have a sales pitch. So you want to give the sales pitch? Sure. So like Matt Seven Investing has seven advisors. Matt is one of the lead advisors at Seven Investing. So each month he is someone that is going to do one stock recommendation for someone who something you can hold for the long term uh they're long-term oriented they're very personable we go over this every time but you should know that you can get 10 dollars off your first month by using the code ccm at checkout very easy that means it's only seven bucks to try out the service it's really easy to you know try it you don't have to lock into a long-term deal although i think they do have discounts for the annual subscription so if you really like the team which i think you should Uh, They have those deals as well, but you can get an example in this whole episode of about 30 or 40 minutes of what Matt and the other advisors, how they go about their work, how in-depth they are, the expertise they have in all the companies they pick. Did I uh, miss anything before we should get started?
0: $7 and you use code CCM. I mean, seven bucks. What would you have that fancy Starbucks cup of coffee or would you have the best investment advice of your entire life? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You pick, but it's code CCM if you want to pick the investing advice. So uh, yeah, let's get to the interview. Here you go.
2: Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investment. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM media group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Today, we're welcomed
0: by Matt Cochran. Matt is a lead advisor at Seven Investing. Now, gosh, I want to say what, four or five time recurring guests
2: for- I think it's the fifth time. I think it's the fifth time, guys. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: it's been- yeah, we've uh, had a lot of discussions. This one's going to be focused around Square. Um, and I know this might have been a while ago, but when's the first time you came across Square? How did it get on your radar?
2: Wow. Oh, so, I mean, I was familiar with Square. Um, like it had been a a fairly recent IPO, but it hadn't been doing like too well yet. And I was starting to write at The Motley Fool and uh And when they were, when I I was applying to write write with them, they said, what, you know, what areas are you, do you specialize in? And I said, oh, I do, I do payments. I know a lot about like, so MasterCard, Visa, Discover, PayPal, and I threw out those names. And They said, oh, so like Square. And I didn't know too much about Square, but I was trying to get the job. So I said, yeah, like Square, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to start covering Square. And I think if you, if you looked like my first article about them was pretty, was fairly bearish. Um, because it was like, I was like, oh, the valuation, it's too expensive, and I didn't really get what it was doing. But then after that, like, I I quickly, like, started liking the story a lot more, bought some shares. Uh, It was about $20 then, and it's done very well since. Yeah. And And
0: at the time, they were mostly just the plug it into your phone and swipe your card uh, thing, right? Like, their original
2: uh, point of sales, I guess. Yeah, it was just a – yeah. So like even back then, so like, we'll just, we can just go into it, but like, uh, yeah, that's how they started. And, but they were already starting to build out their complementary services to that. Uh, so like, that's what I was like, oh, I, I see what they're doing. And that's what right. I like. Going to.
1: Okay. And then what does Square do? How have they evolved over time? I know they started with the seller and now they have a the cash app ecosystems. Do you want to maybe just hit both of those?
2: Sure, yeah. So, and, and that's important because it's really like uh, when it comes to Square, you have to understand both sides of it and then like how they both might come together. So, it's de- Square is developing two business ecosystems, uh, both which started from kind of from simple beginnings which were, they were like innovative, but like pretty simple. And then they've grown into more robust platforms over time through the consistent addition of new features and services. And one of these platforms is for merchants or small businesses, and the other is for consumers. So for sellers, Square offers point of sale solutions for physical retail locations and online stores, but mostly physical retail that range from like, and it started, like we said, it, it was like this simple plug-in dongle that you could plug into your iPhone and start accepting card payments right away. And like, it's, it's hard to remember because now we see like these kinds of devices everywhere. But when like they started, this was pretty revolutionary. If you were a small business, um, it was like you, you, if you like think farmer's markets, thinks like food trucks or, or really small restaurants, you know, um, you, you accepted cash. Because, like, otherwise, you would need to buy, like, expensive hardware. You needed a robust landline to accept card payments. So, you accepted cash. And if, like, uh, if the customer was walking by your farmer's market and wanted to buy your your produce or your food truck or whatever, and you didn't accept card payments, well, or they only had a $10 bill, maybe they didn't spend as much as they could have or wanted to. Uh, And so, Square said, like, you can buy this simple plug-in to your phone. And you can get it at Best Buy or your local electronic store. You can order it online and you plug it into your existing iPhone and you can be up and running accepting card payments within minutes. And that was like a really neat innovation. Uh, But that was kind of all that the, the seller ecosystem did. But like since then, they've added like many pretty cool features. So that range, like they have like a, uh, they have Square Capital, which is like micro loans to small businesses. So uh, Ryan, you and Brett, you open up a hamburger restaurant and, uh, and it does fairly well. You want to open up a new restaurant, but you need a loan. And it's really hard when you're starting off to, to get these loans. In fact, like it's a very overlooked part of the market. And if you use Square, they use the data from your point of sale system to say, no, what these guys know what they're doing and we can afford to give them this loan. And it's actually like pushed to your dashboard saying, do you want a loan? And press this button if you want a loan and then it goes right to your Square account. So Square Capital was like one of their first uh, like early innovations that they were offering like business loans using the point of sale data like they had available. They started uh, Square Payroll so they can pay uh, your employees and stuff. They log on through Square and it's integrated through your point of sale system and you pay them uh, through your point of sales they started verticals for specific uh, markets and industries like Square for Restaurants, which is obviously for restaurants, they have Square for Retail, which is uh, like for uh, retail stores and and things like that. And they've just continued to develop, like add on these little products, which none of them in and of themselves is like truly revolutionary, but they all come together to create a really nice ecosystem. And now on the, so hold that, and then on the consumer side you have the Cash app which it, it again it kind of began as this really simple thing uh, a peer to peer payment app which was capable of letting users send and receive money from each other but now that's added different financial services that the users can use and it started by adding a debit card which was uh, they call it the cash card so now you can have your debit card and you can make purchases using like the money in your cash app uh it then it allowed uh last year and introduced you can buy and sell bitcoin on the cash app which was really like uh they they don't really make profit from this and we'll we'll talk about that later i'm sure but like it, it 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 really was a great customer acquisition tool because buying bitcoin is not like easy as it is buying other types of assets and so this attracted a lot of users who were interested in bitcoin uh and it was like another feature you could use on the Cash App. And then it's, you said you can buy and sell stocks now on the Cash App. And now you can have uh, your, your paychecks direct deposited into your Cash App. And so, again, just like on the seller side, on the consumer side with Cash App, they kind of built up this really neat uh, personal finance ecosystem for Cash App users. And, and that's kind of like what Square does.
1: Okay, and then uh, is, I guess part of it—do these two ecosystems overlap? I know there's been some talk of it, but is that part of the what management wants to do eventually? Maybe over the next few years.
2: Yes, and so I think this is where Square could be special, and uh, I don't think the bull thesis necessarily, uh, like, is is riding on this fact or like this has to happen but I believe like it could be like something that's really special. So like we talked about square payroll and now if your employee has the cash app, they can get their money right away, instantly instead of like the, the normal two days it takes, like it normally takes two days for an employer to pay an employee. So when you, if you get paid on a Friday, the employer has to put the money in on Wednesday to get paid for you to get paid Friday. Uh, And if, if the employee uses cash app they can get that money instantly now uh if they just if your employer doesn't use square payroll but you have the cash app you can get it like within um you can get it within one business day so it's still a little quicker and now they introduced uh like this last quarter they introduced uh, uh advance pay uh, i think it's called pay on demand so like if you if the employer uses payroll they know like what what, uh, what employees have worked what hours and what's coming to them. So they don't mind fronting an employee with Cash App uh, up to $200 in advance pay for that pay series. So like if you get paid every two weeks, but you have a, you know, if you're an 18-year-old and you work at a restaurant and you get paid every two weeks, let's say, Uh, but you have a hot date this weekend and you don't get paid till next weekend. You can get $200 like on demand because they know using the data they have in the payroll system, they know that you've already worked the hours and you're gonna have that money coming to you. So they don't mind making that like one week loan to you to give you the two hundred dollars, and there's different ways like that, like if you think like of the legacy banks, and I think we even talked a little about this before when we were talking to the the science of hitting on the podcast, but I was saying like I was trying to make the point like you've had legacy banks like just take JP Morgan Chase, which is a very large bank, and they're actually one of the more innovative legacy banks out there, and they've had point of sale systems for forever, and they've had consumer checking accounts for forever, and never once did they connect the dots and say look, if, you are, if, you, if your employer uses Chase's uh, our point of sales solutions, uh, we'll, we'll let you pay your employees with Chase checking accounts like instantly or give them like advanced money drawn from their paycheck for the coming week. Uh, like they, they never did that. And so Square just, they always seem to be ahead of the curve making these kinds of innovations. And if you notice, like if that circle, like right now, that's a small circle of the employer has to use Square point of sale. They have to have Square payroll and the employee has to have cash out. But as that grows, you, you you notice the money never leaves Square. It's always within the Square ecosystem from the time the, the employer gets paid and then they pay it to the employee and then the employee spend it. It's in Cash App, so then the employee spends it from Cash App. It's always within the Square ecosystem.
1: Okay, and do you have a question, Ryan? I was going to say, what would you
0: think just broadly of the business uh, independent of the cash app ecosystem? Like if this was only the seller ecosystem now, would you still be optimistic about it?
2: I would be, uh, yes. So when, when I started liking Square, when I first invested in Square, I didn't think cash app was anything. Um, now it was obviously at a much less market cap then too. Um, but like I, I, it really was all about the seller side back then to me. I thought cash app was like a, a side distraction. I didn't even see that big picture for a long time. Uh, and I would also say I'd be a lot more worried about COVID um, than I am now because like COVID was obviously like a big hit to small businesses. And uh, like I kind of panicked for, for a little bit. When COVID hit, I'm like, oh, wow, Square. Square's going to take it on the chin when this happens. And the seller side, yeah. it actually did better than I thought it would. Um, I don't know how much is, of that is due to the stimulus or not. Uh, but I would say like uh, – like, but Cash App just exploded. I mean, it was just like the perfect storm for, for things like Cash App and, and PayPal and, uh, and other digital payments, uh, you know, wallets and things like that. So, it, it, the Cash App really bailed it out during COVID. That being said, like, long term, yes, I, I really like the seller, the seller ecosystem they got going on.
0: And okay. Oh, to, to touch on the COVID thing, uh, it did better than I thought I thought it would do as well. And I think part of that was the SMBs started to lean on Square and Square started to roll out those features fast of like online uh, order, uh, what was it? Curbside pick up, pickup, pick, up yeah, pick up, that kind so. of thing. I don't know if they were using another uh, point of sales provider. I don't know if they would have been able to get that.
2: No, 100%. Oh, look, it would have been a hit no matter what, right? But Square, like, I think even how they responded shows you, like, how, how uh, innovative and quick they can be. So, like, late March, they were supposed to have an investor day. And uh, and like, I, they don't have investor days every year. So it's like every two, I think maybe every three years. So I was really looking forward to this to get their long-term vision. COVID hits and they scrapped their whole investor day. They say, you know, here's the slide presentation we were gonna go through, but we're not, we're not talking about that. And instead they talked about everything they were doing for COVID. And so late March, just, I mean, just maybe a month, within a month, like when COVID really hit the US and they launched curbside pickup and contactless deliveries for its restaurant clients. And it was all managed to its existing point of sale system. It created an online directory for sellers where consumers can purchase gift cards. They offered uh, customizable email marketing campaigns that sellers could use to let their existing customers know like, hey, we're still open for delivery or you can come in and like pick it up to, to go or and we're having contactless pickup and things like that. And it didn't matter the great thing about Square, it didn't matter if the businesses were already collecting these emails because Square collects emails. And they said, these are all your customers' emails that have shopped at your restaurant in the last year. Uh, What marketing campaign do you want to start? It it refunded software fees for the immediate future. It offered deferments on minimum payments from loans and it tightened its eligibility uh, uh, requirements to obtain Square Capital. And it did all that in late March. So, it was like, it just, it's just always so far ahead of the game, allowing these small restaurants, because most of these are one-offs or very small chains and allows them to compete with the, the, the big restaurants or the, you know, the, the, the big guys in retail who, who can afford to do all this stuff in-house. You know, one mom and pop restaurants, they can't afford to do that. So, Square just like enables these people, it gives them the same tools that everyone else has and kind of levels the playing field, which was really essential in a time like COVID.
1: Okay. And I guess that tails into management because they're the ones making this decision, these decisions in the spring. How important is management? I know there's Dorsey and I know there's Amrita Huja as the CFO. How important are they
2: for the uh, investment thesis here? You know, Jack Dorsey is just a down to earth, salt of the earth kind of guy, regular guy. He might send his beard shavings to... uh, uh, like a, a female rapper so she can make an amulet <laughs> for him to protect them. But he's just a normal guy. And like, uh, like in all seriousness, um, I really like Dorsey. Uh, the big knock would be uh, he's also the CEO of Twitter right now. Uh, and I don't actually like him as the CEO of Twitter. That being said, like what I would say is like his financial incentives, if you look at his inside ownership and where most of his uh, net worth is, it's most of it is with Square. The overwhelming majority of it is with Square, not Twitter. And so I, I think it's just human nature where you're financially incentivized. It's where you're going to give more of your effort and thought to. And he can say, like, I spend, you know, half my workday at Square. I spend half my workday at Twitter. But, like, I just think he's done a great job at Twitter. And I think he's done a subpar job at, at I'm sorry, he's done a great job at Square and a subpar job at Twitter. Um, but, I think he's done very well at Square. I wish he wasn't the CEO of Twitter too, but he is. But so far, I I have not seen any ill effects of that on Square.
0: Do you think if he got, uh, obviously, there's the uh, activist investors over at Twitter with Elliott Management. Do you think if he was pushed out- that would be better for Square? Because I'm just thinking about like maybe the psychological secondhand effects towards Dorsey of uh, like, oh, you know, who's going to run Twitter and being worried about that. Maybe it hinders performance over at Square.
2: I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Uh, like I, I wish he would see it himself and just step down, right? Um, like and, and there's no and, – and in this world, there's no psychological effects from that. I don't know if there would be or not. Um, yeah you know, he he's eccentric. And I think a lot of that, like, uh, and so when he does weird things, like like when he talks about moving to Africa, which I don't think was as eccentric as the headlines made it sound. Uh, but when, you, when people see that, I think they kind of like project more on him, like more, I think that takes away from like the good things he's done. And I think he's kind of underrated, actually. I think he's a very smart person. I think he's been great at Square uh, the entire time. I I just wish he he wasn't also the CEO of Twitter.
1: All right, and what? Okay, we talked about this a bit, uh, but why do you like Square as an investment going forward? Is it mainly sellers? Is it mainly the Cash App, or is it just the growth of both of these?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I, I would say like it, it, it's both. Okay, like I can't I can't take one away from the other. I I, I would say like so I believe it's. Uh, the, the, the one thing I always want in any company I invest in is an economic moat. Like, and I have to like really believe like, okay, this is its competitive advantage. And I think its competitive advantage is like, uh, one, like once a, um, once a business is on a seller ecosystem, it, its platform, wh- whatever you want to call it, uh, I believe it's very hard to get off of that. You're a small business and you do point of sale and it works. Okay, that's great. No matter what vendor you get like uh, if it works, you're probably not, you don't want to change it. But if you're a square, uh, okay, so you start with the point of sale and let's say you're a restaurant. So you start with a square for restaurants. So now you're in their their specific vertical for your field. And then you want, you need a loan. And it's right there on your point of sale dashboard. You don't have to go to the bank. You don't have to like write a, a proposal to the bank. It's right there. You just push a button and the money's in your account. And here's your business card. And you can use the money that you got paid last night uh, on your food truck. And you can use the business card the next day to go grocery shopping for that night's, like, supplies that you need, uh, you know, for, for your food truck business. Uh, I, you can make your online store with Square. Uh, which they've grown that's grown tremendously you can do your payroll with square you can do uh, you can do all these things to square once you're doing all that all those things to square you are not you're just not leaving that platform you' you're not um, so I believe like that that's its economic mode it just has comes with very high uh, high switching cost now it's cash out for consumers the more they add I believe again like the more like one it becomes habitual to a point and, and two like uh I just believe that gets harder to leave like as you i I feel like that the cash app can grow with the consumer now, so the consumer first gets on it, they just want the cash app to to like send to send and receive money from friends, and then like they get their debit card with it, and then like they can get direct deposit with it, and then they they might want to buy some bitcoin or some stocks, and I believe over time these things will also mature and innovate, and it will just get stickier and stickier. For for that person, uh, I think the I want to say the first or one of the first two times we 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 talked, uh, we were talking about like Cash App could introduce buying and selling of stocks, and that would be a way it could grow. and And now we're talking about it in the past tense, like it already happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I don't think any one part of the business has an economic moat, but when you blend them together with like the seller ecosystem, for example, the point of sale solution in and of itself, being able to plug into your phone, that little gimmick or whatever it was, the dongle and then the, or the actual
1: uh, point little of sale thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: The terminal that alone doesn't have a, mo doesn't have a mo- But When you add the products behind it, it gets really hard to
2: leave. Yeah. It gets sticky. It gets sticky. Like I, I just don't see businesses leaving it. And especially, and we just talked about COVID. And so, and when they innovate, and I believe they're, they're the fastest innovators in the point of sale system. So it's a crowded, crowded field, right? Like p- selling point of sales and, and getting that business from, a, uh, uh, from merchants, that's a crowded space. But it's, it gets very sticky. And I, Square just innovates faster than all of them. And when we, we talked about COVID, I think that's where it just becomes so evident. And places are going to see this. And places, you know, they know and they see like what Square did like right away. When COVID started, like introduced all these features, um, you know, and that feeds the moat. I, I, I do. So I do believe the high, the high switching cost. Like I believe that's a real moat. Like I, I just believe it's very hard for businesses to leave. That it gets stickier with every product they add, and as they innovate and add new things, like paying your employees instantly who have Cash App, uh, things like that. Every little thing they add, none of those little things are. Super valuable in and of themselves, but they all feed that moat. Okay.
1: And is the, speaking on the Cash App side, how important is the Cash Card? Because I know they've done really innovative things with the Boost and they do a lot of different advertising campaigns. I think the marketing <laughs> around the Cash App, we've discussed it here, is one of the best. I mean, they, they advertise on Twitch, TikTok. and
0: Brett's saying this because he uses the cash card for everything.
1: Right? I, I, yeah, I do. Uh, that's very anecdotal here, but I do love their discount features.
2: And that's kind of like their, their marketing, right? Like the, yeah. they offer these great discounts and they know where you go and they already have like the merchant side and they can use that. Like they, they, they can say, look, uh, when they're selling to a merchant now, like who else can say this except for PayPal? They're, they're trying to get, uh, get in with a merchant. They can say, well, look, we also have like 30 million plus uh, cash app users and w- we'll introduce some rewards for your place of business, for cash app users in your area. And so when they go using their their, their cash card here, they'll, they'll get whatever, 5% back or, or whatever it is. And yeah. uh, it will drive, we will drive business, we'll drive customers to your business. Wh- what, what, other, what other point of sale solution can say that? there's none there's none
1: yeah I mean that's that's one of the most important things I think for the bold thesis you had any other questions I I
0: think we should hit the break here real quick but on the second half we're gonna try to poke some holes in your thesis
1: let's go Cox panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices you'll get real time alerts oh like this one so you don't have to worry about malware or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) All blocked. Thanks to Advanced Security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced Security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome
0: back in. Next up, we have Devil's Advocate. Most of our listeners know how this goes. We've got some uh, counterpoints. We're going to try to poke holes in Matt's thesis and his job is to refute them. My first one, and this is something I've like been contemplating a lot in my head, is this Bitcoin revenue. Uh, it's basically an accounting anomaly, but it the revenue itself is very low margin. I think it's almost 0% or they have like Uh, what was it? 17 million in gross profit. Yeah. It's based off of
1: how much they had to buy and sell and their customers buy and sell things.
0: Right. And I think this might be leading to, I mean, we kind of live in a top line growth world right now and it might be leading to uh, an overvaluation because so many people are paying attention to that revenue when it's obviously you should be looking at gross profit there instead. Um, And I know there's the argument to be made about, well, it's a customer acquisition tool. But if that leads to overvaluation, um, then maybe it created a double-edged sword in that way.
2: Yeah. So I'm not even going to argue like Square's like a, a bargain. There's, there's no way I, I could do that with a straight face. I, I would say it's definitely expensive here. And I would even say it's, it's deceptively expensive so I even do you one better. I'll throw you one on top of that. So one, the Bitcoin revenue, absolutely. Like I, I don't even, I don't even want to count it. Like I'm glad it's profitable by a little bit, but honestly, don't just throw it out. Throw out the yeah. Bitcoin revenue. That's just like to me, it's just like get people on Cash App. That's great, and using the other products, fantastic. I'll even do you one better. Though. I'll throw another one on there, and that's like it's uh, it's over. They used to report for years adjusted revenue. Um, and this is more when, uh, like, on their seller side, uh, th- because they take in this the take rate, their take rate uh, as revenue, but they immediately pay out like point uh, 0.1%. So if if I go and I make a hundred dollar order at, at your hamburger joint, right? Uh, like, and Square might take two point five percent, which is it's pretty standard when you include all these things. So let's say they take two dollars and fifty cents for that. Well, they immediately will. Uh, if I use my MasterCard, they're immediately going to take fifteen cents, and that goes to MasterCard. And uh, they're then like about about a dollar fifty will go to the bank that issued that MasterCard for me. So. We talked about JPMorgan Chase before, so we'll just stick with that. My MasterCard is from JPMorgan Chase. A dollar fifty immediately goes to JPMorgan Chase and like a, you know, for the interchange fee and some cents goes to MasterCard, et cetera. And they're, you know, they're, they're finally left with, with their pot. Like, so the adjusted revenue used to cancel out all that other stuff. And they said, adjusted revenue is really like more... Are real revenue guys like just focus on adjusted revenue? And the SEC came in with all their wisdom and said, "Don't report that anymore. That's confusing people. Just report your real revenue," which I think is much more like just not true to the revenue they're actually taking in. Right. Uh, so they they look like if you just if you just looked on their price to sales, it doesn't look like oh, in this environment, it doesn't look that expensive compared to all the other like high-flying SaaS names. You're like, oh, I think it's like 14 sales maybe, like 14 times price to sales. But immediately, I would say you subtract out the Bitcoin revenue, you subtract out the the, the transaction cost, and then you're left with a more clear picture of what, like I would say is quote-unquote real revenue. Uh, so they're deceptively, they're, they, they're more expensive than they look at first glance. Uh, I, I don't know if that's leading them to be more overvalued or not. I would say if, like, if you can sell Bitcoin on your platform and make any profit from that while you're using it as your customer acquisition tool, more power to you. I think that's fantastic. Um, but they're expensive. Uh, like, if, if somebody was going to buy them now, I would say just what I always say is such a, I think it's a great company. I think it has a long runway ahead of it. But I would say dollar cost average in it, you know? It, you know, wh- whatever you wanted to put in it uh, eventually. I, I, I mean, I just like putting... I like I like putting in yearly allotments into what I call like great companies, and so wow. we'll just say that a thousand dollars. So I would start now with a thousand dollars, and if it doesn't go down twenty percent or more in the next six to eight months, well then no matter what, I'm going to put in another thousand dollars, even if it goes up more. And I think like, well now it's really overvalued, but I just keep dollar cost averaging in, and that's what I would say to someone else like uh, who 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 wanted to buy it now, dollar cost dollar cost average in and just buy over time and you'll get it at different valuations and it, like to me that's how you buy great companies that you think might be overvalued like oh, to yeah, me no. the answer isn't to not buy great companies just because just because they're they're somewhat overvalued there's some valuations I won't go to but like for this I, I think you're um I think you can start dollar cost averaging in it.
0: Okay. Is there a metric, um, what what would you say is sort of the most valuable metric to pay attention to? Because obviously that sales multiple can be a little misleading. Would it just be like, uh,
2: price to gross profit probably? Yeah, I I think that's fine. I I think that's fine. Like I I don't, I would say this, like, uh, if you're going to use one metric that that's fine. I, I would say the more, uh, the more older I get or the more I learn as an investor, I like, I, I just follow different metrics. I don't think there's one metric you can say like, this is the best, this is the best one to follow. I used to think adjusted revenue was really good. And then that went away, but you could still subtract out the transaction costs, but then they added Bitcoin. Like, so like you can, it, it depends what you wanted to do. You, they, they report adjusted EBITDA. Which might not be the greatest one, they also report uh, gross profit. you can follow that if you wanted like their adjusted revenue, I would subtract out bitcoin revenue and uh, and their transaction costs to get to come with with your own adjusted revenue. Uh, okay. but they report gross profit, they report adjusted EBITDA. If you just want to follow those two like I think that's that's fine. you just want to uh, see that getting better
1: okay, yeah, definitely the All right. Mine is going to be around the point of sale solutions. So we're seeing a lot of competition there. I mean, there's Clover, Lightspeed, a few others. Um, Is that space getting commoditized at all? I I know we mentioned that the Square does have that lock in with all the other products, but we have seen businesses like Clover kind of come out with competing things with the capital and the, you know, the payroll.
2: Um, Does that worry you at all? Uh, you should always be worried as an investor. So you should absolutely pay attention to that. And some of those are, are like, some of those are interesting companies in their own right, right? Um, but I would say Square is, uh, it's, it's unique for a few reasons. Uh, like one, I just, right now, they're innovating faster than anyone else. So I talked about all right. those features they rolled out in like that first month of COVID. No one else is innovating at that speed. There are plenty of other competitors though. And if it was just a point of sale system, where it takes card payments and did a few other basic functions, I would say, yes, it's absolutely a commoditized product. I believe though, like uh, we talked about cash app, like when they're trying to win new business and saying we have like, you know, and it's still a relatively small number of cash app users, but you know, 30 million plus but they, those Cash App users, they're using it about an average, I think, of 15 times a month. So for them to say, like, we have these highly engaged 30 million Cash App users and X amount are in your area around your restaurant. And we can drive, you know, every, every third month, we can drive sales to your restaurant or when you open because you want customers to know about you. Like, and that's just like, that's just things they can add that no one else can, can compete with uh, except PayPal. Except PayPal and PayPal's not in the physical point of sale nearly as much as Square, so like like they they have that like they have pretty unique offerings that that's just very hard to match and um and so like I, I think like that that differentiates them from the competition like the okay. speed of innovation and uh, like their cash up ecosystem users that they can that they can push to your business.
1: Okay. And have they done that thing where they pushed uh, users to their businesses yet? Or is that something they uh, maybe announced that they're going to
2: roll out in the next few years? So PayPal talks about it more than Square. Okay. So I, I don't know, but I would say those two, uh, they, they're, to me, they're the fastest innovators in the space still. And so uh, a lot of times it's PayPal copying Square, like, uh, um, but I think sometimes it'll be Square copying PayPal. And I, I don't why. Why wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. You know, like where I, I think when they grow out the ecosystems more, it, it'll just almost be automatic. Any Square seller, you get X amount back on your your debit card and just on your uh, cash app on your cash card, and, uh, and and so automatically it'll be like, oh, like where's the Square sellers? You know, um, I, I I don't I don't think that's far away. But PayPal talks about it way more than Square. Okay. What would uh, what would change your thesis? What would make you sell Square? So, what I look for, like we talked about, their their pace of innovation and every little new innovation, how it's not important, just adds to its, like adds to a stickiness, adds to its cost of switching, uh, for its customers. And, and every quarter, it's it's again, none of them are huge, none of them by themselves are revolutionary, but every quarter, it's one or two three bullet points that like, look what we did this quarter. Look what we did this quarter. And again, that just feeds their economic moat of high switching costs. And that's what I look for. If that slows down, and I'm not saying like one quarter, I don't really see what they did this quarter. Uh, But if it was like several quarters where I was really like, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're innovating anymore. That's when I would begin to get worried. Uh, Like they're a high cost, a, a high switching cost is a great moat. But their valuation is definitely built for growth built into that. And high switching costs alone doesn't lead to growth. It just leads to less churn. And so they need to innovate at a high speed to win new customers and to add to the high switching cost, so that when they get them, it's much harder for that customer to leave. So you see that pace of innovation slow down, which I know is kind of a soft answer. I'm not giving you like a hard metric that when this, you know, when the the forward price to sales ratio goes below this or, you know, it's nothing. it's nothing like that. But I would say like when that pace of innovation slows down um, and you see other competitors starting to introduce options before they do. So now Square's copying what Lightspeed is doing or Square's copying what Clover is doing. And when that starts happening regularly, uh, I would be, I would be worried.
1: Okay. And is international uh, a big driver for this? I guess, you know, they're trying to do the push for the seller ecosystem, but I know with the Cash App, they launched the, Uh, free currency exchange between uh, United Kingdom and the United States. Is that a big part of, uh, you know, if the cash haven't go international to do those cross-border transfers really easily?
2: I think it's growing. I think it's growing. So uh, they're in Japan, uh, UK, Canada, Australia, um, and they're, they're rolling it, it, it. it's taking, it takes longer for them to roll out all their features to those uh, territories. And like right. Japan is like the slowest one, but they're rolling out their features now to Japan. And there's like, it'll almost be like their full their full seller ecosystem now will be available in Japan. And those markets are growing. And uh, like, I don't think, it's not too much of a big piece of the pie right now. I think it'll grow over time though. Like you saw with Shopify. Like, I mean, I don't know if you're, you know. But, like, if, if you follow Shopify, like, a couple of years ago, the international story, it, you could see it was growing, but it still wasn't that big of a piece of, a, of the overall pie. And now that's growing for Shopify. I think it'll be the same for Square. Okay. Would you change
0: your mind about the company at all if Dorsey went full-time at Twitter instead of full-time at Square? So, like, if, if he left the company, would it change your thesis?
2: Uh, you would. I, not right away, but you'd want to see uh, how it – responded to that, like how how the company responded to that. Would if he left and in the next year their pace of innovation slowed down. And it probably wouldn't even be the next year. It would probably be like two years after that, because they probably already have things in the pipeline, right? But if you start to see that pace of innovation slow down and it was like a year after he left, like I would be like, uh yeah, that 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 would definitely worry me. And I would be like probably more sensitive to that happening if, if if he left.
1: Okay. And last question before we wrap things up, what is one change you would like to see Square make? I know you mentioned getting the full-time CEO, but anything besides that, maybe a capital allocation decision, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, this is also our chance to make a second prediction of where they could go.
2: Yeah. You're one for one on that. So, <laughs> uh, I, so <laughs> I, I would love to see them like really go into direct deposit. Like, real, I, I know they have it now. They have it now. So, it's not even a change. But I want them like on the cash app t- side to really lean into that. So that when you're an 18-year-old and you download cash app on your phone, like what really just happened, even though the 18-year-old doesn't know it is, is that you just chose your bank. And like, you just, you download cash app on your phone and but what, what they don't know but what Square knows, it's like, well, that's going to be their bank. And it's going to be, I want them to make it super, whether the employer has the Square point of sale or not. I want it to be super easy to direct deposit that guy's paycheck, you know, when when he works at, wherever he works at. And like super easy to go into his cash app and he will have all the financial features he needs right there as a super app in his phone. And I think the, the real key to that will be direct deposit. They're, they're already there. So I'm not even saying like, it's not even like a real change, but I really want to see them lean into it because that's the way you really capture someone's like, uh, uh, like banking future when, when that's, when somebody is direct depositing their paychecks into cash app and they feel like they're not missing out on anything. Like, I, I think you, you can, uh, you can grow with the consumer there.
1: The, uh, is it important that they get a banking license so they can get, uh, interest bearing accounts or is that just something with the low interest rate environment? It's not as important. Did they I don't, get
2: one? Okay. So they have, so there's different banking licenses, right? And so they got one, but not like, uh, not for like the consumer side. So yeah. it, it, there's different banking licenses. I, I don't, I don't know. It, they they partner with banks. There's a lot of banks out there that just partner with fintechs. And it's a way for these banks to get a lot of deposits. And it's a way for these fintechs to avoid uh, the credit liability that comes with like holding money, and then directly loaning money to people. Um, yeah. So, there's pros and cons to that. Eventually, I, I think they will probably have to because they're growing so much. But, like, I don't think that needs to be immediate. And I, I would he say even push it off until regulators tell you you can't push it off anymore. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I think that's all the questions we have. Um, yeah. Do you have any more? Nothing else? No. Okay. That's going to do it. And where can uh, people find you?
2: Uh, on Twitter, way too much. So at Matt underscore Cochrane seven. Uh, and I'm on seveninvesting.com. And All right. Yeah. These. And we want to do the, uh, I mean, we yeah. usually do
1: the pitch for seven. Yeah, let's do it. At man. The top for our promo code, but you, do you want
2: to do a quick pitch to, you know, right. why people should uh, come check out the website? Uh, sure. Like, so I think we have seven excellent uh, lead advisors. We make recommendations every month, but I think that's just the beginning of the value you get. Uh, we write uh, like pieces throughout the month. We, you get the, the, the recording of the videos where we pitch our recommendation that month to the rest of the advisors and they can ask us whatever questions or concerns they have. And sometimes it's pretty soft, but sometimes we really go at each other. And so uh, you we really get the full process. Uh, we record all of our uh, all of our returns transparently comparing it to the S&P 500. Uh, and so I think it's, I think it, and for $17 a month or $170 for the year, I, I, th- I really do. I believe it's a good value. And you can get
1: $10 <laughs> off. Uh, so it's yes. only 7 bucks for your first month if you use our code CCM.
0: All right. That's going to do it. Uh, We want to remind our listeners that we are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.